The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Let's jazz it up. Let's all get together now. Welcome to the Laura Theodore Podcast. You may know me from my popular television show, Jazzy Vegetarian, where I feature easy and delicious vegan recipes, along with tips for living a kinder, plant-based life. Now I invite you to join me here each week, where I'll welcome amazing guests to share upbeat and informative conversations featuring motivational lifestyle advice and nutritional guidance, plus lots of jazzy-licious recipe ideas. It's all served up with sensational music on the side. Music! So let's get talking. Hello, hello. I am your host, Laura Theodore. I am so happy to be here with you today, and I hope that you are happy to be here with me, because today we have a very informative hour in store with my friend and colleague, the one, the only, oh yes, she's here, Nava Atlas. She is a best-selling vegan and vegetarian cookbook author, and uh, Nava's going to help us. She's going to show us how to be kind to our wallets, our bodies, and the environment with tips on being plant-based while being on a budget. Yes, I'm on a budget. Are you? I think we're all on budgets these days. So eating healthy, eating plant-based, eating vegan, being compassionate, all those things rolled together and saving money too. That's what we're going to speak about on today's show. So I can't wait until Nava joins me in just a minute or so. But of course, I'm thinking of all of you. I'm sending good wishes your way. And as always, I hope this podcast today will inspire you, inform you, and uh, well, even entertain you. We all need a little bit of entertainment. Yes, let me entertain you. Later in the program, I'll be sharing my jazzy recipe of the week. Oh, yeah. Well, it's now my pleasure to welcome Nava Atlas, who is the author of many best-selling vegetarian and vegan cookbooks, including Five Ingredient Vegan, Vegan Holiday Kitchen, Vegan Soups and Hearty Stews for All Seasons, and so many others. Her books are Fabulous. And if you have never had a Nava Atlas book, you better go and pick one up. Not right now. Wait till after the show. Uh, Now, Nava also creates visual books on women's issues, including the Literary Lady's Guide to the Writing Life. And she runs two websites, the Vegan Atlas and Literary Lady's Guide. I'd like to welcome her to the program right now. How are you today, Nava? 
Laura, your lilting voice always always cheers me up. So thank you so much for having me on. Well, thank you so much. And I'm so excited about your book, Vegan on a Budget. I love it, love it, love it. I love the recipes. I love the photographs. I love the whole thing. And of course, man, so many people are really, really on a tight budget right now. Don't you agree? I do agree. I agree completely. I feel like we all are becoming very cost conscious. Um, Sometimes it's really good to put things in perspective. Uh, uh, Earlier today in the New York Times, I believe there was a very long article about people who are truly food insecure. And that goes way beyond what we're going to talk about today. And maybe we can circle back to that because we have to realize that you know, we talk about being on a budget, but yet we're talking about it from a place of privilege where we can still go out and get tofu and tempeh and all these different grains. And maybe when at the end of the program, we could talk a little bit about even those of us who are cost conscious, how we can give back to people who really are food insecure. I, I agree. Really why, don't we, why don't we start the show with that? I think that's something that's really, really important. And I agree with you 100%. What do your thoughts there? Well, um, recently I actually, and and it it kind of ties into the type of foods that are featured in this book. I ordered a bunch of dry bulk items and I made 100 packages of a dry soup mix that was made of uh, quinoa and red lentils. And I put in curry spices and dried tomatoes and onions, and I sent it to an organization that I know can really use it. They give farm shares to people who are way below the poverty line, and so that was an add-in to the farm shares. You know, I think we all have, even if we live in lovely places, like I live in the Hudson Valley, and then what we don't see is the hidden poverty. So there's always a food bank that's really hurting for donations, whether monetary or things that you have. I mean, we don't want to give them, you know, dregs of our food. That's really disrespectful. But if we have extra of something, something that lasts for a long time, something that could be useful, like, you know, canned soups or beans or maybe something even better than that that we haven't really used, um, pastas, things that are really almost, I wouldn't say meaningless, but let's say a box of pasta is a dollar. Sometimes you can find them still, boxes of pastas for a dollar. So pick up a few extra at your supermarket and bring it to your local food bank. Um, I think, you know, it would be really nice if everybody could think once a week or even once a month of, you know, what can I donate to somebody who truly is food insecure and has no way of going out for food. Um, that is such a good a bunch idea. Of to a women's shelter, yeah. and actually, um, a friend of mine works with women and children in women's shelters, and she said that cuts across race, class, economic status, and they need all kinds of things. So, to see if there's a women's shelter. Yeah. That's such a great idea, and I'm gonna take that idea and run with it. And I really... consciousness. Yeah, and I really like the idea. I never thought of this before. So with the quinoa and the red lentils that cook can cook right, you know, around the same amount of time and some nice spices in there. Um, And then someone can just add water to that. 
cook it? it super nutritious, high in protein. It really was just add water. But if someone gets it as part of, a, let's say, a donated farm share, they can throw in some greens at the last minute. It's a really filling and nutritious meal. And so, you know, we, we sign, you know, some little checks here and there. And I felt like, you know, here I'm, I'm actually doing something. I'm making something for somebody. And I put the ingredients in it, but I also put some love in it. That's great. This really just parlays us perfectly into the first thing that I wanted to talk with you about today, because, um, you know, the biggest question we often get, you and I and and many other uh, vegetarian vegan chefs in particular, vegan chefs like ourselves, is, gosh, where's the protein? Where's the protein? Okay, so then we find out where the protein is, but then having that protein, buying it and being on a budget, because protein can be more expensive, how do you do that? And I know you're really great with finding plant-based protein bargains. And give us a couple well, of tips there. Well, thanks. And, and you know, that's a question that just won't go away, right? So first of all, we need to realize that people who are getting enough calories, unless it's a super terrible diet, are getting enough protein. It's really hard not to get enough protein. And, average, and there's a calculation on exactly how much protein you need. Uh, according to your body weight. So someone about our size, an average size woman, needs about 45 grams of protein per day. That's not a lot. So, for example, tofu, about a quarter of a package, four ounces or so, has 10 grams. I mean, that's already a lot of the protein. Tempeh, a four-ounce serving, has 20 to 21 grams. That's, you know, that's almost half of our day requirement. Yeah, Beans and legumes, those are just ideal forms of protein. And as we know, split peas, lentils, dry lentils, uh, dry beans, canned beans, they're fantastic sources of protein. So let's say uh, half a cup of cooked beans has six to eight grams of protein. And honestly, most of us, when we're eating a bean dish, we usually have a cup of protein. So that's already about a third of our day's requirement. Um, and then there's grains. Most of us eat rice during the day or quinoa. Also, a cup of cooked grain has anywhere from six to eight grams of protein. Even pasta, normal pasta, not whole grain pasta, I think has seven grams per cooked cup. And again, most of us probably have more than a cup of pasta. So you can see how these add up. And almost every vegetable has some protein. So protein is really, it's almost a non-issue, but it is something people are curious about, and it's our job to enlighten them. Oh, yeah, let's not forget about nuts and nut butters. Even though nuts are not exactly a bargain item, often peanut butter is. So two tablespoons of peanut butter has, has about eight grams of protein. So that's another great form of protein. So buying in bulk, you talked a little bit about that uh, when we were talking earlier on in the program. And how can buying in bulk save us money on our weekly food bill and our monthly food bill for that matter? Yes. um, But again, I think it's one of those things where it's good to compare. Uh, I generally buy certain grains in bulk and usually they're less than when you buy them packaged in those, you know, plastic jars in the, in the supermarket. Um, interestingly, though, 
there's, you know, all these other stores are getting into the natural foods act, like, um, you know, Costco and Walmart. And, you know, I, I saw packages of organic grain there that were actually less than what I take for in bulk. So in bulk. You know, obviously yep. there's always something to learn. It's, you know, it, it, again, with wanting to save money on some of these items, you have to compare like crazy. And I think one of the things we're all not doing is driving from town to town to do comparisons. So it's much easier to do comparisons online. And then there's um, a place where I got the bulk items for the project I did that we just talked about. I think it's just called bulkfoods.com. And my goodness, for foodies or people who wanted to save money, it is an amazing resource. It didn't get into the book because I didn't know about it back then. But mm-hmm. I do believe it's just called bulkfoods.com, and they have everything under the sun. And it would be really a good idea to for people to just stock up so they just know that there's certain non-perishable foods in their pantry. They even have all kinds of dried uh, vegetables and fruits. So, you know, if, you know, God forbid there's some sort of shortage of food, it's you know you have all kinds of things in your pantry that you won't be missing that's a great idea and yeah we should address that for a minute because um if if one is able um to afford to stock up a little bit more i know i certainly have uh, a better stocked pantry than i did before our new normal uh, just because I kind of got caught with not a well-stocked pantry and then, you know, you, you couldn't get certain things. And then I found, like you said, that it saves you money. It saves you time, which time is to some of us. It can be money. And uh, also it makes it that cooking up a quick meal, even if you don't have anything in your refrigerator, you know, having a few frozen veggies, which I know you're going to talk about that in the freezer is really, really handy. Take that along with some of your bulk items items that you have in your pantry, like your quinoa. And, uh, you know, I like to keep olives and things like that and try to buy them at a lower price if I can. But keeping it stocked, I think is a great idea. Yes, you you touched on stocking the freezer. And I think what people, uh, you know, people are cooking more at home. That's really apparent. And like you said, having some of these, even if you can't, you know, stock up in any fancy way or if you don't have a pantry or a lot of room, having certain items on hand, and I do go into these, there's probably more than what we can do in the course of the show, but the freezer is a really important component. So here are some things that I like to keep in the freezer. Uh, I like to keep whole grain burger buns or English muffins. And lately I've been gravitating to English muffins simply mm-hmm. because they're flat and they take less room. Us too. Yep. And, yep. Yeah. Um, you know, I had in my book good quality pizza crust, but I actually have gotten used to making my own pizza crust. I, I think, again, we're all kind of going towards more DIY. I made some mm-hmm. pizza crust last night, and it was just so good. And it really didn't take a lot of time. Just basically mix up the dough and then just you know leave it for an hour and a half. And, and then you do the other things that you do to make pizza at home. So, um, But still, if someone's super lazy, busy, has small children, yeah, it's great to have some pizza crust in the freezer. 
And then frozen vegetables, it has been shown that because they're picked at the peak of their ripeness and flash frozen, they retain a lot of their original nutrients. And they are really very inexpensive. I rarely see a one-pound package of any kind of frozen vegetables for more than, let's say, $1.50. So it really is a food bargain. I'm talking about vegetables like cauliflower. Yeah, I really do like fresh cauliflower more, but sometimes yeah. 30 or 7, I don't feel like dealing with the fresh cauliflower. It really makes a big mess. So that's one of the things I keep in the freezer. I keep peas and corn. Of course, we all love fresh corn on the cob, but that's, you know, it's not really good most of the year. So it's such a useful food item. Green beans have still, it seems like so many fruits and vegetables have become year-round, but not green beans. Those good green beans are only available in the summer. So green beans are another vegetable I keep in the freezer. I find it very useful. Broccoli, too. I like um, frozen broccoli as well. I do. I keep that, again, for extreme laziness or tiredness or busyness. That's usually pretty good. I mean, it's not as good as fresh broccoli, but it also is quick and it's green and it tastes good. And it's useful for, like you said, it's useful for like when we're talking about pizza or to throw into a soup at the last minute. Peas are actually one of my favorites because I love to just throw those in. Like if I'm doing uh, quinoa, I'll do the quinoa and then the last five minutes I'll throw in some frozen peas. And with the quinoa and the peas, that's almost like a main dish right there. My husband loves that. He loves that dish. And peas are really great for so many casseroles, so many things, soups. And you can really have add a great pop of protein going back to our previous conversation as well as it's inexpensive and really, really easy and it tastes good. So um, I'm I'm big on the frozen, the frozen veggies myself these days. Now, speaking of veggies and speaking of veggies and fruits in particular, we hear a lot. There's so much buzz about organic versus non-organic. How do we know What's cool to buy being non-organic? Yeah, there's a great resource. Again, it's uh, Environmental Working Group. I believe it's ewg.org. Each year they come out with two lists, Dirty Dozen and Clean 15. The Dirty Dozen are the fruits and vegetables that they recommend buying organic because they're just pesticide laden. And I'll tell you in a minute what those are this year. And it's interesting because it changes from year to year. So you have to consult it every year. And then the Clean 15 are fruits and vegetables that are grown with either no or relatively few pesticides. So those that's where you can save a bit of money because it seems like organic fruits and vegetables are a bit more expensive. So and this year's list, but it seems like strawberries are always at the top of the dirty dozen. Yeah, that's, yeah. One thing they recommend to always buy organic. And I remind people too, you know, it is about you and it's about your health and it's about your wallet, but it's also about the people who have to harvest the produce. You know, there are humans be- behind this. And when something is, has a lot of pesticide, they get sick. So we really want to support the kind of produce that is grown without pesticides. So the people who Usually it's, you know, um, agricultural workers, they don't have a lot of money, they're not paid well, so the last thing that they need is to also get sick. 
So strawberries at the top of the list, nectarines, then apples, then a lot of fruit this year is at the top of the dirty dozen, uh, grapes, cherries, and pears. And we have, unfortunately, spinach, kale, tomatoes, and potatoes. Those all made the dirty dozen this year. They don't always. Wow. Like, I don't always see kale on the um, dirty dozen. Mm-hmm. And then the clean 15, uh, again, oranges made the clean 15, which is surprising. Sometimes they are on the dirty dozen. And some of the, uh, well, sweet corn is clean. Cauliflowers we were talking about. And as we're moving into the fall, winter squashes and sweet potatoes are on the clean 15 list which is really nice. Uh, Bananas, too. Those are sort of like in the middle range. And Mm -hmm. avocados are are clean as well. I love avocados. I just could not live without them. So another way to save on organic produce, though, is you and I have been discovering this together, is delivery services like Misfits Market, which is such a great thing on so many levels. So Misfits Market is the gather up all the fruits and vegetables that are just not pretty enough to go to the supermarket or other markets. And they organize them and people subscribe and every week you get a box of these sometimes funny looking, you know, most of the time they look pretty normal to me. Sometimes they're a little too big or a little too small or maybe they have a bruise on them, but I don't think there's been anything I've ever had to throw out. We are talking with Nava Atlas, the fabulous, the one and only. We're talking about her book, Vegan on a Budget. Fabulous, fabulous book. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You know, in the fall, I love all of the seasonal fall vegetables. I think it's got to be one of my favorite. And what are a few of your fall favorites, particularly ones that you can buy up if you are on a budget? Some of my favorites are the roots. They're somehow just the vegetable kingdom's comfort foods, aren't they? So yes. basically, yeah. you know, various potatoes, sweet potatoes that we mentioned before, so many different kinds of squashes. And, you know, and what's nice about hard squashes that they keep so well at room temperature, and you can decorate your kitchen with them. Um, organic apples, you know, so there's fewer fruits in the winter, but you can be creative with them. Apples, pears, bananas, oranges. We were talking about vegetables, but obviously those are the fruits. But, you know, last year I sort of rediscovered some of the other more unusual, maybe not unusual, but the ones I don't use as much. So let's say parsnips. Those are really interesting. They had a very particular kind of flavor to stews and soups. And some of those harder root vegetables are so much fun to make into fry shapes. And make them into fries in the oven instead of just always making potato fries. And it's fun and it's colorful. Oh, yeah, I, I love beets all year round. The golden beets and red beets. And those are also just so delicious. So I think, yeah, uh, I, do, roots, I, roots. I do fries out of sweet potatoes. What other veggies do you do fries out of? I do oh, them out of zucchini, of too, of course. 
Yeah, any of the ones I just mentioned, <clears throat> parsnips. Um, uh, well, this isn't a root, but eggplant makes amazing fries. Um, I've never done that. That's a good gold, gold beets. Yeah, the, you know, in fact, if you do zucchini and eggplant together as fries, it would sort of be almost like a theme. Mixing the different colors of potatoes, um, let's say you get sweet potatoes and golden potatoes and russet potatoes, just really cut them into fry shapes and bake them all together. So yeah, good. That's, I yeah, do that. I was yeah, going to say this would be idea. a perfect segue because we need those kind of fries with the easy burgers that we make at home. So I, I wanted to tell you readers, I was so inspired by your Hungry Guy burger, which is maybe five ingredients, my kind of recipe. And I, you know, I, I gave you some credit in this book. I made a little bit of a variation on it, on, on that theme. And so maybe we should segue into talking about homemade burgers and why we want to make them. We do. First of all, that is a really budget-friendly thing is making your burgers at home, especially uh, the burger that you fashioned after the Hungry Guy Burger, or inspired by the Hungry Guy Burger. Um, but there, you have a couple of other ones in the book, and they really are a great way to have a better-tasting burger, I think, and um, a cost-effective burger. So let's talk burgers. What do you think? Yeah, well, I have a formula, which is um, a can of beans, a cup of oatmeal and some breadcrumbs, and and then you add a really a, a pop of flavor with a ready-made condiment. So for the black bean burgers that are inspired by yours, it's salsa. Then facing it, I have lentil walnut burgers. You know, lentils are so inexpensive that adding a little bit of walnut, which is not so inexpensive, really it balances it out. So the flavor pop in that is teriyaki marinade. And then another one, curry chickpea burgers, it's chickpeas, the usual breadcrumbs and oatmeal, and a cup of Indian simmer sauce, which we may be talking about a little bit more um, with a recipe that I'd like to share with your readers. So when you make your own burgers, usually when you buy burgers, let's say you have a package and a cup, it's, it's less expensive than going out to eat, but you only get four burgers. So let's yeah. say somebody in your family is really hungry. You're kind of out of luck. So these recipes all make eight large or nine smaller burgers. So what's really nice about that, too, is if you don't need them all at once, they freeze really well. So a week or two later, you say, oh, wow, I have ready-made burgers in the freezer. So it's kind of uh, a bonus. I agree 100%. And that is the thing with the packages of the four burgers, uh, you know, particularly if you're serving a larger group of people or, like you said, if you're really hungry. And uh, most homemade, when I make a homemade burger, it is between six and eight burgers, usually more towards eight. So you really get more out of it. They all freeze well. It's a great way to save money. Using those oats as a base, I agree, is really, really, really a great thing to do. And I like your little... Um, the little formula you made up for it. That's a, that's a great idea. That's very inspiring. I don't want to run out of time. This is just flying by. So I do want yes. you to share this wonderful, wonderful recipe. Are we talking about the spiced Indian spiced cauliflower and chickpeas? Yeah. I'm yeah. Sure yeah. yeah. Right yeah. Okay, so this is how I came up with this 
um, before I started writing, or just before I started writing this book, we decided there's an Indian restaurant in, in here where we live, and we hadn't ordered for a while, and the kids were at home. And so it's the four of us. So I ordered a meal. I ordered, you know, four main dishes and maybe the, uh, an order of samosas. Well, it was almost $70, and it's not oh a lot of food. And I thought, you know, that's almost like half of what I spent for groceries. Uh, yeah, yeah. For the week. There were no leftovers because, you know, the, the portions are, are really modest. I thought, I just don't really want to do that again. But we love the authentic Indian flavors, and I really wasn't able to replicate that at home because, you know, spices and grinding and toasting, and that's already getting a little bit too much for me. I discovered the Indian simmer sauces that come ready-made, and those are in the international aisle, usually right next to where the soy sauce and teriyaki sauce, and they are so delicious. And you just pour them on whatever, and it really tastes like it comes from the finest Indian restaurant. And there are many vegan varieties, like um, Jalfrezi and Rohan Josh. You have to check. If you are dairy-free, if you're vegan, a lot of them do have dairy. But there are plenty of uh, varieties that don't. So with this particular recipe, um, it has a sauté of onion and a quick sauté of onion and garlic. Then I use two one-pound bags of frozen cauliflower because, you know, at the end of the day, as we were talking about before, I don't feel like dealing with two pounds of cauliflower, and that just goes in. A big can of chickpeas or two 14-ounce cans, you know, that 15-ounce cans, that is, or one 28-ounce can of drained and rinsed chickpeas. And I do like to use fresh tomatoes, but if someone wants to, they can use a can of diced tomatoes. And then a whole jar of this Indian simmer sauce. Now, that is not specifically a bargain item, but I don't think I've ever seen it. It's more than, let's say, between 4 and $5. But the thing is, if you were going to make a sauce like that, you would have to spend a lot more money. Yeah, buying all a lot more money. Yep, agreed. So, and then there's, um, then I put in curry powder really just for the color and ginger. I do want to give a shout out to squeeze bottle ginger. Okay, it's a little bit, maybe a little bit more expensive than buying fresh ginger, but I have just found that fresh ginger is so unreliable. You know, it looks good. You get it home, you cut it open, it's all stringy and dry, and you can't really do much with it. Or yep. the squeeze bottle ginger. Yeah, it lasts me usually, I, and I use it a lot. Usually it lasts me about a month, and it's mm-hmm. so good. You know, first of all, ginger is good for you and makes things taste so good. And um, and then just before it's ready, you put in some chopped cilantro and salt and pepper to taste. So it takes about, I don't like to overcook this. Maybe I have here five to eight minutes once everything's in. It's not a long time. Cook it a little bit more if you like things to simmer. So I costed this out, and I also bought some frozen samosas just as a treat. And I think each each meal, which was much more substantial. Oh, yeah, and I also added some cooked rice. I think mm. each meal cost about four dollars. Rather, so for the for the four of us, it was wow. Under, under twenty dollars rather than seventy dollars, and it really did almost feel like 
we ordered in, like it was a restaurant meal. It really felt very special. So I think people should think about that too. I mean, it really is also nice to support local restaurants with carry out once in a while, if you can afford it. But then when it gets to be, you know, in that range, it's like you really question, is this really worth it? <laughs> and just you can make, you can replicate your favorite dishes at home very easily. Thank you for all the vegan budget tips today. They're just absolutely fantastic, as always. Thank you, Nava. Thank you so much for having me on, Laura. You take care also. Okay, bye-bye. Well, thank you to Nava Atlas. You can learn more about Nava at theveganatlas.com or literaryladiesguide.com. And uh, check that out at the show, Vegan on a Budget. You can read more about the book on her website. In jazzy news this week, Jazzy Vegetarian on public television is now re-airing all across the nation on the Create channel. And it airs four times a week on Sunday and Monday. Well, as I promised, my recipe of the week and It is potato salad. My husband loves his potato salad so much that I named it after him. It's called Andy's Potato Salad. And it uses tender red potatoes. You can use white potatoes if you like. Uh, Any kind of baby potatoes. You can use yellow potatoes. But the red potatoes really do add a really nice uh, texture and a nice flavor to this dish. And it's combined with carrots and celery. All... uh, smothered in a sassy vegan mayonnaise sauce. Oh, yeah. This makes six servings. It's really easy to double if you'd like to do so. So you're going to start off with nine cups of cubed red potatoes, and you want to cut them into one-inch pieces. I also love to do this with baby red potatoes. I actually prefer it with that if I can get the baby red potatoes. Then you just have to cut those little red potatoes in half or into thirds. You want to leave the peel on. Peel adds a lot of nice texture, uh, adds a beautiful color to this salad. So if you can get those baby red potatoes, I prefer those. Then five medium-sized carrots, peeled and diced. If you don't want to peel them, you can go ahead and leave the peel on. Uh, I get a little bit of flack for that, but I do like to take the peel off when I'm making a salad like this because the peel can have a little bit of grit to it. And then you kind of taste that and feel that in the salad. But if that doesn't bother you, just leave the peel on. Use an organic carrot with that if you're going to leave the peel on in particular. And then four medium stalks of celery with the leaves diced. I like to have a lot of leaves. If you've got a lot of leaves on your bunch of celery, take those leaves and mince them all up. It's great to use in place of celery salts. Nice, fresh taste. Gives a little bit of texture. Really, really great, those celery leaves. And then three quarters of a cup of queen green olives with the pimento diced. Uh, If you don't like queen green olives, you can use Kalamata olives. You can actually use just plain black olives, really whatever you like. And if you really want to save time, you can go ahead and use the olives that have already been chopped up. And that's the basic salad. So what you do is you're going to fit a steamer basket into a large pot with a tight fitting lid or use a vegetable steamer if you have one. Add some water, add the red potatoes, cover, bring them to a boil, steam them for about 25 minutes until they're just fork tender. I don't like hard potatoes in a potato salad. So if you like them a little more firm, 
you steam them a little less. If you like them nice and soft, like I do, because I like them to kind of break up and kind of get nice and creamy, you're going to steam them for about 25 minutes. And make sure that fork is almost really going right into that potato before you take it out. And you're going to transfer those potatoes to a large bowl. Let them cool about 30 minutes. If you want, you can make the potatoes a day ahead of time. Keep them in the refrigerator, and then they'll be nice and cool when you make this salad. That's what I try to do if I can, or I make them earlier in the day, put them in the refrigerator, and then they're ready to put together. It's your preference there. Then you're going to add your carrots, your celery, and your olives to the potatoes, and just gently stir that to combine. And now the dressing This is a really, really, really yummy dressing. You're going to start with six tablespoons of vegan mayonnaise, plus more as needed, three tablespoons of Dijon or spicy brown mustard, plus more on the side if you need a little more, one teaspoon of maple syrup, a teaspoon of dried parsley, or a tablespoon of chopped fresh parsley, whatever you have on hand there, half a teaspoon of dried basil or one and a half tablespoons of chopped fresh basil, a quarter teaspoon of salt, plus more as needed. Uh, most people like a little more salt than uh, what we like, so you might you might want to use a half teaspoon there. Then freshly ground black pepper to taste. And you're going to put those all in a bowl, whisk, 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 whisk them together, and then just pour all that dressing over the potato mixture and kind of fold it all in and make sure everything's all coated. It's looking so yummy. It's smelling so yummy. Really, really good. Give it a taste. Add a little bit more vegan mayonnaise or a little bit more of that Dijon mustard to taste if the salad still seems dry. Depends on how wet the potatoes are that you're using. Some potatoes are a little more dry. Some potatoes are a little bit wetter. So that's a great jazzy tip. And then you can add a little more salt if you want. Some nice black pepper. Yummy, yummy. And uh, cover and refrigerate this for at least three hours or up to 24 hours before serving. If I'm going to do this, I really always give it at least that three hours. I don't like a lukewarm potato salad. That's just my thing. Um, but it's a nice uh, nice thing to do. 24 hours, day before, totally cool. But when you do it 24 hours beforehand, you're going to take it out. You're going to see that it has become a little bit dry because what's going to happen is those potatoes are going to soak up that dressing overnight in the refrigerator if you make it early in the morning. So all you need to do is add a little bit more of that vegan mayo or the Dijon mustard to taste, and you've got a dandy, dandy salad. That's Andy's potato salad. Always, always a wonderful dish to serve, really any time of year. Well, thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join us every Wednesday on Mind, Body, Spirit FM for the Laura Theodore podcast. Until next time, be happy, be healthy, and be well. From me, Laura Theodore, a.k.a. The Jesse Vegetarian. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. 
Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report, bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on the Angel Tarot Show exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm.